You're listening to The Brand Compass, conversations to navigate your way to building a brand fit for purpose and poised for success. Here's your host, Shelley Rosland. Hello there, my friend, and welcome back. Thank you for clicking on this episode and choosing to listen to us today. This is the place where we dig into all the ways in which your brand meets the humans you serve. I'm Shelley, your host on this conversational journey, and today we are going to get up close and personal. And we're going to talk about those times when you have to physically stand in front of your audiences. You guessed it. We are going to talk all about using speaking opportunities to share your knowledge and expertise with the world. Now, the sound of that may either make you start to twitch a little bit or your ears might be pricking up because you've been wanting to do more speaking and want to know more. To help me with this topic, I am bringing on someone who is more than qualified to navigate this topic, navigate us, sorry, through this topic about what speaking looks like, how we can master it, and most importantly, not fear it so much. I might be talking for myself here. My guest today is Jackie Goddard, who is a speaking trainer and coach who helps business owners, leaders, and authors to gain confidence delivering paid talks to share their knowledge and leverage their authority in their space. She is on a mission to empower yearning speakers to get excited about sharing their ideas, stories, and life lessons. She teaches her clients how to craft engaging talks, use their voice and breath better, and sharpen their overall performance skills. Jackie has over 25 years of experience working in and around the performing arts as an actor, director, producer, and trainer, facilitating acting and voice workshops. Jackie is mum to one daughter who is in university and lives in a beautiful part of the UK on the edge of the new forest. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Quite excited because we're about to work together on this, right? So I thought uh, it would be quite good for us to kind of (laughs) break our relationship a little bit over a public podcast. (laughs) To kick off our conversation, though, I thought it might be good to talk about the the different ways in which speaking can actually present itself. It doesn't really have to be in front of a room of 3,000 people, right? No, no. I mean, one person is an audience, isn't it, really? You know, as soon as you open your mouth, you are speaking in public. Public, as long as there's somebody else in the room with you. I speak in public to my cat, but it's, it's not quite the same. But but yeah, any any anybody that you're talking to, and especially if you have something important that you want to say, anybody's an audience. So if we had to think format, I mean, like yesterday I did a presentation, a video presentation for, you know, where I was sharing my screen and there were 63 people, which I didn't quite expect, but there were 63 people on the other end of that. That is also speaking, isn't it? Oh God. Although in a slightly closed way, because I quite like to see people's reactions and I couldn't see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it's hard. It's harder on screen, especially if you have that many people, because you can't see them all. You can't see how they you know how they're responding at all so it's it's a harder space to be in when you're speaking 
but I think some people find it less stressful because they're in their own space when they are speaking. So they're slightly more detached, I think. I was very comfortable. I could control just about everything. I think that part I did feel quite comfortable with. Just trying to think of other other ways in which you end up speaking because you could be running smaller groups. You could be talking to a networking group, a networking, for yeah, net, yeah, networking is, is another a space that, you know, you, you need. The, the 60 second elevator pitch is one of those that people kind of cringe at because they're never quite sure what to fit into 60 seconds. Either they want to uh, fit too much in or they don't feel they have enough. But anytime that, you know, you step into a networking space and you're talking to somebody and somebody, somebody says to you, what do you do? then you're speaking in public, you know, you're, you're, you're selling yourself, you need to be able to speak confidently and effectively in those situations. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about those situations where there is a little bit more pressure on you to perform, if you like, so you, you've got to prepare to do it, uh, you've got an important message to get across. And I know in our previous conversations, we've talked a little bit about physicality. And I wonder if there there is this, I don't know if I've made up the term, but is there this anatomy of speaking? You know, is there a lot of bits to speaking that people don't even consider other than just the words? But, you know, are there parts to speaking that people haven't even thought about before you even get to the stage or while you're on stage? It's almost the experience. Can we dig into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. The, yes, of course, the science bit. <laughs> the anatomy of <laughs> breathing. I mean, all of our breathing apparatus is are, are muscles and, and speech is physical. Speech is breath. So you need to be able to use and work out all of those breathing muscles. So the intercostal muscles that you have be- between your ribs, uh, your diaphragm, which is that, that one you hear most about, which is sort of sits at the base of your, your rib cage, uh, and your abdominal muscles, and even your vocal folds your vocal cords they're all muscles so the breathing techniques that I go through with my clients is really just to help them physically work out and warm up those muscles so that they have enough breath to support their voice for performance especially if they're stepping onto a stage but also breathing is really important to calm nerves and just really sort of regulate the nervous system so using all of that anatomy to help us breathe in the correct way for speaking is is really important because as I say, speech is breath. Yes, and I do find, if I talk for myself particularly, I either do one thing, so I either really hold my breath and I do this anyway in a natural day-to-day and I'm trying to work on that because that's not healthy or I get so excited I run out of breath and I find it really hard, you know, from a mindset perspective to almost kind of just... <laughs> Calm down, Shirley. Yeah. Like, speak normally so other humans can hear yeah. you. Yeah. That kind well, of thing. So there's a bit about mindset as well. Though, no, absolutely. It? Absolutely. And we'll, we will work on that, Shelley. We'll go, we will go there. Um, it is about <laughs> mindset. Absolutely. And a, a lot of what I do is to, to remove that fear and anxiety, which is about shifting the mindset. It's, it's about looking at the nerves as excitement, because after all, they are exactly the same thing. <laughs> They're both aroused emotions. So we need to learn how to control those and, and breath and the anatomy that you were talking about is definitely a good way of doing that because you learn to control and to think about what it is that you're doing. We don't think about breathing at all. 
You know, when we breathe to, to live, we, we use the top part of our lungs, vegetative breathing. We don't even think about it. But when exactly when you step on a stage, as you just said, or you're in front of an audience and you feel those nerves and you feel your heart beating and the cortisol is coursing around your body, you then need to focus on your breath. And once you are confident with the breathing exercises and where to breathe correctly and how to breathe correctly, then you can control the anxiety and you can control how much breath you take into your body so that when you step on a stage there is breath there to finish a sentence which is useful (laughs) yeah definitely and I think also what it does is once you get that under control you probably feel more in control and therefore you can be clearer and also you're not you know it wouldn't come across as really um frenetic or you know, we haven't talked about movement, like body movement, you know, moving on, you know, there are people that move it. Well, I'm a big hand, you know, anyway, on video, not so much in person, but the movement of your arms, the movement of your feet, the actual movement to and fro on a stage. And it's just understanding what actually will interrupt your message so that people aren't actually listening to you. They're watching you move. It's a careful balance. Yeah. I mean, you just got to be aware that, that, you know, whatever you are feeling or producing on stage uh, or in front of an audience, wherever that might be, the audience will mirror that. So if you come on nervous and unconfident, uncomfortable, that's exactly how your audience are going to feel. So once you have really got yourself so comfortable with your content that you that you you are relaxed enough and this is why I say I'd like to get people excited about speaking and it's not about them getting all you know hyper about it it's about just getting them (laughs) to a space where they just can't wait to share their message they can't wait to get on the stage and it's it's a comfortableness which is a really you know I don't know if it's one of those normal words that people kind of choose to ignore but if you're comfortable with your content then you are that's where your confidence comes from because it, it needs to come from inside you so that's what's going to dictate how you move on stage because if you are uncomfortable unconfident then that's when you move because you don't quite know what to do with yourself whereas if you are centered and you're confident and comfortable in what you're talking about then your your movement will be natural and if you are a person that moves your hands quite a lot that's not that's not a problem because you will use them to underline a point that you're making so it's so the movement becomes natural. The worst thing for an audience is to watch somebody being really frenetic or dancing on the spot or, you know, they can feel that, un- that that's uncomfortable and it's distracting. So it's all about and getting like they're having comfortable. A fit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you don't want that. No, I think that brings that nicely onto what I kind of wanted to move on to. And that's the bit about actually, you're not there just for your health. So number one, you're trying to leverage your profile. You're trying to sharpen up that element of you being, for me, obviously working with subject matter experts it's to heighten that element that they are an expert they are someone that people can point to for knowledge and direction right but what you're also wanting to do is you're wanting to bring value to the audience you know so doing all of this work actually helps you to not only make yourself look better and come across better but also so that your content and your message and your stories can be heard right so there's this other intangible asset that we're trying to work on at the same time but I suppose that comes in with our planning of the talk and the content that you're actually going to get across as well so should we just sharpen up you know I know you work with and I know we're going to work on a a talk for me around about a 20 minute talk so maybe let's talk a bit about that because actually that's also a TED talk right 
So if somebody's actually invited to either get up on a podium or to get up on a stage and they have to, you know, there's there's a, a guardrail around how long they can talk. So let's give it 20 minutes. It might help us just with our conversation today. Do you want to maybe dig into your process a little bit? high level, because obviously we concert here for hours, I'd love to. How do you uncover, you know, those glory points? And then how do, how do you actually, you know, get them to shape that 20 minutes? Maybe just a high level element of what your process is, so people can get an idea what it's like to actually work with a speaking, a speaking yeah. coach. Well, the way that I work is always, always start with a brief. What have you been asked to do? So, what is the subject matter? What are, if you're working for uh, an organiser, then what are they looking for? What outcome do they want? What What is it? In it? Why have nice. they asked you? So make sure that you find out what it is that you're being asked to do. How long have you got? So find out from the organiser exactly what they're looking for. That's where you start. Look at the brief. Secondly, who are the audience? Make sure you find out who you know, you know who they are and why they should care about what it is that you're going to be talking about. Because if it, 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 at the end of the day, it's about them. It's not about you. You may be the speaker. You may be the one on the stage getting all the glory. But you really in this scenario are, are only the mentor. The people in the audience are the heroes. So you need to find out who they are and why they should care. Once you've done that, it's then it's about you. So then it's about finding out who you are. For me as a, as a coach, I want to know exactly who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Not your qualifications, not necessarily, you know, the last the, the last three jobs you've had that make you qualified to be doing this, but what is it in your heart? What is it in you that makes you want to step in front of these people and put yourself through this? Why is that? Why why are you doing it? And so th- then it's it's once we found those stories, then I can pull out as a as an outsider because so often we don't value our own stories and mm. our own experiences. So I, as an outsider, I can look from the audience's point of view and say, well, wow, that that's an incredible experience, and that will really resonate with this particular audience. That will really make you relatable to this audience. This you know this piece of information, this story, will benefit them. So. So that's the third part is to really find out what those stories are from your own experiences that can benefit the audience. And then we start looking at the flow. What points do we want to hit? What what do we want the audience to take away? And I say we here because this is at this point, it's really about... It's like teamwork, teamwork. yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> because I think when you're putting together a talk, you need an outside eye. You know, you need somebody on the outside to be objective. Definitely. Because, as I say, we get so wrapped up in what it is that we're doing. So, so then it's looking at the flow. How, how, what's the introduction? Where, how do we hook people into that talk? How do we get them on the edge of their seats, leaning in right from the beginning? And then, which points do we want to hit on the way through? And then, how do we finish? What's what's that? You know, how can we leave them on a high? How can we leave the stage knowing that we've 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 completed the brief? And then obviously in amongst all of that is finding those visuals, because visuals are not a way of getting you through the talk. The visuals are there for the audience. So it's very important to find the visuals that 
underline and illustrate the points that you are are making. They're just an added layer for the audience to to take away what it is that you're trying to say. They're not they're not for you as a speaker. They are for the audience. So it's so they're very important to fit into the flow of that talk. Like a backdrop, isn't it? They're like a backdrop behind you almost on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then then once that's done, that's when you move on to the performance side of things. How how do you look? How do you sound? What are those little ticks and and issues that you might have on a stage that me again looking as an audience member that I can pick up on and then it's practice 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 yeah of course yeah yeah yeah. and of course there's some things that we might be really self-conscious of but you might look at it and go actually that is it's not a big enough issue that I would disrupt an no, audience absolutely. so don't worry too much about that yeah. thing um, which is quite um, which is quite comforting to do and um, when I was preparing for this podcast I was thinking about as you know like speaking styles because we thought oh we might do this in a separate episode but I know there's there's one thing that really kind of puts me into like a really dark corner and um, because there's some really amazing speakers out there and some of them are so good at humor they they are phenomenal like their comedic timing their jibes their stories they are just and obviously some of these guys have been doing speaking for 10 15 20 years so I get that that comes with time as well and while I enjoy hosting this show and having my what I love to think of as joyful conversations with many of my guests that have come in. I feel like I'm doing speaking in a really undercover way because I've really feared the stage thinking, actually, I'm not funny enough. I'm not engaging enough. For anybody who, who might be feeling the same as me that's listening, can you maybe allay my fears a little bit <laughs> and maybe tell me if there are actually a few different types of speaking that actually works? You know, how do you find your, your mojo? I mean, logically, I know that this must be true, but there's like this 15-year-old, and I realize why I said that age because we had house plays. I grew up in South Africa at a girls' school, and we had houses. You know, like you have sports houses, but we had houses that you were all divided up in. And we had house plays. And when you got to, uh, I think it was third or fourth year of high school, you actually got, you know, to direct house plays for, and and I was a director. (laughs) And I think I made it, and I thought it was hilarious what we'd pulled together and we'd pulled scripts together, but like it fell really flat when when we actually had the day and everything happened. I mean, I had a great time and I thought it was hilarious, but nobody else did. And I'm wondering whether I've held on to that now to go, actually, you're not funny. You can't do that thing, Shelley. Help me out, Jackie. <laughs> well, are they, are they well, styles? Well, Shelley, actually, I wanted to tell you, you're not funny at all. No, no, that's oh, not. Thanks. It's oh. not true. It's not true of anybody. <laughs> it really isn't. And and I think a lot of what happens in our teenage years absolutely affects what what we what we come to think of ourselves. You know, I. I made up plays in the playground. I would gather all my friends around and, you know, write the plays, direct them, cast them, star in them, you know, and then we'd perform them to the class at the end of the week. And that's what I love. I loved doing that. But then I went to my careers teacher at 16 and said, I wanted to be an actor. And she she just sort of went exactly that. She went, oh, really? Mm, not really a proper job, is it? Um, and so my, my confidence... Oh my <laughs> My confidence was knocked completely because I believed her, and because I had that in that in that in a monologue in my head. She, she just me. confirmed it for you. She confirmed it mm. absolutely, and so I didn't end up at drama school until I was twenty-eight. You know, it took me all of that time to realise actually, you know, this is me. This is what I am. This is who I am. Oh, and sure. so yeah, and so it took me all of that time. So I absolutely agree that that we are quite often swayed 
the wrong way in our teenage years by people that should know better, to be honest. (laughs) So, yes, I think you are funny. I've spoken to you. I know you are. You have you have (laughs) you have a lovely smile. Um, But actually, when you look when you look at when I go back to my acting training, when I look at and and the acting training, I still do with people now. I still coach acting. And the funniest the funniest, because we get people, I get people to improvise all the time. The funniest improvisations come out of truthfulness. And that's what acting is. It's telling the truth. It's not, it's not about making stuff up or just lying, uh, being a good liar. You have to find the truth in the character. You have to find the truth in, you know, in what you're doing. And, and life is funny. And so when you are just truthful about the stories that you tell the stories in your own life and I'm sure when you're sat around a dinner table with your friends and you're telling a story you are funny you you hold people you know captivated by by the stories that you're telling and you look at talk, uh, speakers like Brené Brown uh, Siken Robinson these are people Billy Connolly you talk about funny these are people that are observational they tell stories that are truthful that they have experienced their own stories and it's just the naturalistic relaxed comfortable in themselves aware of who they are they have a self-awareness and they are able to tell their stories and when you can when you can tell a story truthfully the humor is there and as I say when you know we get guys to to make up improvisations but the 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 what I tell them is don't try to be funny just be just be in that moment let the story come out and you'll be amazed how how humorous you know truthful honest stories can be so don't worry about it don't worry about worrying you know everybody else is worrying at the same time so just you know you're not the only one in the room that's got butterflies and panicking feeling in your <laughs> stomach you know it's it's natural to feel like that but if you can if you can cicero philosopher said confidence is a trust in oneself and when you find that trust in yourself and take ownership of your stories then actually you can step on a stage tell your story with humor and be engaging and all of the things you want to do because you're not worried about uh you're not worried about people judging you because you're being honest, you're telling your own story and it's coming from uh, the correct, the right place. And when you find that, the ability to do that, you'd be amazed how funny and entertaining you can be. I suppose also sometimes when people are having a giggle at a story you're sharing, it's not so much that it's funny, it's just that they're relating to Absolutely. your story and go, yep, that's me. That that happens to me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'd probably be more comfortable with that because I feel like there's a lot of stories. Like when we do start, just for everybody listening, Jackie's helping me with a Somebody's put their faith in me <laughs> to put me on a stage. I don't even know how many people. How many people is it? Like lo- this year was a hundred. Oh, God, don't tell me. <laughs> Okay, um, this is next year. Yeah, so um, so Jackie and I are going to go through exactly what she's walked through today. So maybe we do a podcast after that to see um, how that went yeah. for me. Okay, all right. I kind of feel fun a bit better. I think I've done two. I've done two. If I think of just myself and anybody listening, try and think of when you actually have gone on a stage. You know, how did you feel? I've done two opportunities where it was an existing client, so quite a 
a friendly audience, if you'd like, and I'd done a bit of work with some of the people in the room. So I almost felt a bit more comfortable, which I will do for this event I've been asked to go on stage for. But I think what I really hated about it was that I was blank afterwards. So I was really nervous going out, got on stage and said, just say the first line. He'll be all right. Just say the first line. You know the rest. Just do the rest. I did it. And then I came off and I'd, I think I was traumatized. I could not remember what I'd said. I'd go, I mean, is that normal? Like, do people feel? <laughs> I think every, I think. Are you going to make me feel better, Jackie? Please. I don't think, I, you know, everybody's different. I don't know how, you know, I, I can't remember coming off and feeling completely blank. But I do remember doing plays where, yeah, I was really, really quite nervous, especially through the, before the first performance of a play, um, to to get off at the end yeah. and think, oh my god, how did we get here? How do, you know? Or being on stage even and knowing that when you get on and that, those nerves and you're kind of thinking, right, I've got an hour and a half before this, you know, the sort of short. That's a short play. Got yeah. an hour and a half to get through so that the, the feeling of nervous will be gone. I know that I'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be fine in, in an hour and a half. And you get on the stage with that hour and a half there, and then before you know it you're in the last scene and you're thinking, oh my God, how did I get here? But you get so wrapped up in what it, in, in the journey, in the story that you're telling. Yeah. And it's the same with a talk. When you put a talk together, it's still as, you know, you're taking an audience on a journey. So, you know, you get on at the beginning, you get off at the end. It's this, exactly the same. It's not quite the same when you're making films, but, but certainly, you know, as an actor on a stage, mm. you get on at the beginning, you take... Mm. Uh, people on that journey and you get off at the end with rapturous uh, applause obviously standing ovation and uh, <laughs> i'm gonna just pay everybody i'm gonna just bring everybody brownies and in the audience i might just bribe them all <laughs> yeah but you know you, you do come off at the end and think well how did i do that how did i get here so well hopefully you won't come off at the end of that, that a little bit like traumatized but no, hopefully not. I think, like I said to you, one of my goals is that I want to enjoy it. I want to go up and actually enjoy the experience and come off going, actually, I quite enjoyed that. I think that would be a really nice outcome yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to blank trauma. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've <laughs> done, I did a talk, uh, a new talk last month. And the first time I did it, I was very nervous. And it didn't go terribly well. But thankfully, I had another I had another go at it. But it is that it is that sort of you come off and think, Oh, my God, that was awful. But then other people will say, yeah. Oh, no, that was amazing. You, because they don't know if you've missed stuff or, or they don't or, know they, they don't that's know that's true yeah as long as you sort of keep going but then I did a workshop last week where it was very interactional I was talking to the people in the audience uh say there was only sort of uh I don't know 20 of them I suppose but we were interacting I was telling you know it was just very natural I suppose very honest again it was just you know what they were asking me questions I was answering uh, and I was taking I was telling them stories about experiences much the, the same as I am now and it it was a really really nice experience because it it was all of us together and actually remember when you're on the stage it's not it's not just it's not a monologue you know it's not just you talking it is a two-way even though the audience aren't interacting with you they're not they are interacting with you. They're not talking to you, but it's a dialogue that you're having with the audience. It's not just up you're, you up there. You are conversing with them, which is which helps. 
I like that because I think, yeah, I think that's one of my other blocks as well is because I am much better in an environment where there is interaction and there's feedback and I know what's going on in the room so that I can make sure, you know, I'm feeding into that and I'm actually helping. So I think, you know, and also when I develop something to do the talk, you know, I can have that in my mind going, I'm filling some of these gaps or I'm helping people to link dots together or, you know, in their mind, hopefully they're playing whatever it is that I'm saying to them, they're playing it for themselves to go, what do I think about that? So that actually helps reframe that situation a bit. Yeah, which will help you, you know, put in pauses and you'll, you'll, you know, you can then, I mean, I certainly did even even, give them time to think. Even in the talk that I did, I was able to, you know, I could see people's faces and I could, you know, see their reactions. And and a couple of times I sort of pointed to them in the audience and said, oh, you got that. Or, you know, you can kind of have a a bit of banter kind of. I mean, I always say with talk, yeah. And we'll, we'll do this with you is that is that kind of memorize to improvise. So you, you get to know okay. you don't learn a script as such word for word, but you know, you know it so well that you can start playing with it and it feels comfortable to be able to interact. Mm, mm. And it doesn't knock you off course. No. Jackie, if we think of our audience, so subject matter experts, generally service-based, so they're kind of consultants, educators, mentors, coaches. What what tip would you give somebody who's kind of toying with the idea of speaking but has, has, has not quite, you know, thrown themselves at it yet? What tip would you give them to kind of overcome that, you know, kind of – because I think – there's a lot of value in speaking, even if it's not in front of big audiences. But I think even just having a podcast show or being or running a live show on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is, that's speaking as well. Or doing a short uh, talk for networking, but has been shying away. What do you think you're, I mean, you might have like a, th- a thinking prompt as opposed to a tip. I don't know what, what you think, but what's the one thing that you could help them with to take away today? Certainly step outside your comfort zone. Just do it, you know, and, and that's easy to say. That's easy for me to say, certainly. But mm. there are so many benefits to speaking up and talking. Most people that run their own businesses do it because they're passionate about it. And that's that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear all the data. They want to hear the stories. So find those stories that belong to you. You are your unique selling point. There's, you know, there might be a hundred brand strategists in a room, or there might, you know, but mm. there'll only be one that works in the way that you do because of the experiences that you've had, because of the life that you've lived. And so you are unique. Mm. And I think if you remember that, and when you get into those spaces, that you talk from your heart, you you talk, uh, you tell your stories because nobody can catch you out when you're telling your own story. You know, it's your story. True. It's unique to you. And, and when you know that, you can't be you can't be caught out nobody's going to go aha that's not true because it's your it's your story so i think i think certainly step outside your comfort zone because that's where that's where the transformation happens that's where the opportunities will come to you it feels uncomfortable but you know feel the fear and do it anyway it's you know it's it's that classic <laughs> okay <line>. boss <laughs> yes it is <laughs> 
It is. We, sh- we should have a T-shirt for that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks, Jackie. I'm really looking forward to our work together um, for too. my talk. So watch the space, folks. <laughs> and I have to say, Jackie, I actually got to meet you in, in real life. You're very tall and elegant and graceful. <laughs> and you come across, you can see your training in you. You know, like much like you can see dancers from a distance. You can see that you've had the acting embedded in you for most of your life. But you've got a really calm and experienced air around you. And I can just say that the person that I meet in person is the same as the person that I meet online. And I yeah. love that when when that <laughs> that actually happens. So anybody who's listening today, Jackie, who's resonated with what you've said, how you work and your approach to things, where can they find you to find out a bit more about you and what you do? I will head to powertospeak.co.uk. That's my website. And if you go there, you can have a look at all of my one-to-one programs, my uh, masterclasses, power hour, whatever it is that you're, you're, you're looking for. And and how I can help you can contact me through that as well and if you want to find out a little bit more about me and what interests me plus tips and techniques then please sign up for the newsletter which you again can do through the website and then if you wanted to connect with me on LinkedIn I'm very happy for people come along and connect with me just mention that they uh, they heard me watch me on here and uh, I'd be happy to connect lovely and I'll pop all of that in the show notes for everybody as well so thank you so much for joining me for the conversation today and sharing your insights and experience (laughs) You've got a really wonderful gift, Jackie, of instilling, I like to call it gentle assurance and anyone gentle but firm and assertive, (laughs) I shall add. Yes. (laughs) For anyone who gets to work with you, they're just really lucky to have you as their cheerleader. So thank you very much. And that's it. For this episode, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Has this made you feel less twitchy about speaking? Has our conversation convinced you that actually you could seriously look at speaking as another way for you to show up for your audiences? A key takeaway from this for me has been to know that with some proper help, anyone that has knowledge to share and can string a sentence together, quite important, can be coached and with practice to not only deliver an engaging talk, but can also enjoy it too. At least that's my goal when I get to work with Jackie. Who do you know that could do with hearing this conversation and Jackie's insights? Share this episode. You know you want to. Until next time, stay strong, believe you have value and make good brand decisions. Thank you for listening to The Brand Compass. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your entrepreneurial friends and help them make good brand decisions. Until next time, let's keep the conversation going at shellyrosland.com.